Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And first, of course, as always, want to get our contact information out there for those listeners who'd like to give us their feedback, uh, any ideas for future episodes. Keith still got the topic. Uh, it's, it's in the hopper. It's on its way down. Uh, but if, you, if anybody else wants to email ideas, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org is my email address, and you can send them to me. That's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Dot O-R-G. Father, how are you doing? Better than my sins deserve and yourself. Amen, brother. Same. Woo-hoo. Uh, so uh, we are um, uh, a week away from Lent. It seems like yesterday was Christmas, but such is the early part of the year, right, Father? Amen. You know, it, it's, uh, uh, I tell this to my staff a lot of times here at the university. You know, uh, As soon as the semester starts, you, already, you have to be ready to end it. <laughs> yes, and and so that applies to the spiritual life or the liturgical season, at least as well. Well, it should apply to the spiritual life, I suppose. You know, I mean, you, you never know when the end's going to come, right? <laughs> as soon as you, uh, as soon as you start the day, as soon as you start the day, you should be prepared to end the day. Absolutely. Actually, uh, just like and just like the little, the children's nighttime prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Yes. Didn't James Hatfield write that pray- prayer? Oh, never mind. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Hatfield, <laughs> isn't it? Hatfield, yeah. <laughs> yes. Metallica references you that aren't aware of his metal music from the 1990s. <laughs> We're trying to stay current or something. <laughs> That's quite so quickly out of date as the up to date. That's right. So I'm making a classical music reference or something. That'll be the title of this episode or something. Uh, something. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we are, uh, again, a, a week away as we're recording this from Ash Wednesday, uh, the, the beginning of the season of Lent. And so, Father and I March thought that. March Madness, as a friend of mine once called it. Mar- March Madness, yes, yes. Not just for basketball fans. Um, where was I? Yes. So Father and I... From the beginning of Lent. <laughs> talked to, we're we're going to talk about Lent. We're going to talk specifically a little bit about the Holy Father's message for Lent. Uh, Pope Benedict, uh, like his predecessor and probably his predecessor before him, uh, every year issues uh, a message for... for um, the brother, his brothers and sisters in Christ, a message is addressed, dear brothers and sisters, a message, in other words, for Catholics and Christians and anybody else who's interested, I presume, uh, about Lent and, and the themes that he sees uh, that he'd like us perhaps to consider for for Lent, and, and we'll get to that. And we'll also talk a little bit about um, some ideas on on how to or what sort of practices you might take up. You know, it's part of our our. Um, tradition as Catholics to, you know, in addition to the prescribed fasting and abstinence and so on, uh, it, it's common for many Catholics to to do something personal or maybe something as well within their family. I know families, for instance, that uh, give up TV during Lent, and sometimes it's really hard for those basketball fans, Father. Yeah, you know, very tough for those basketball fans. Yeah, so uh, no March Madness in that sense for them. I suppose you could probably TiVo all the games if you, well, I don't, anyway. Uh, so, 
So, uh, but but to begin, Father, I, I I thought it you know just to look briefly at the catechism, um, and interestingly, the 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 catechism talks about Lent particular specifically the word Lent is found uh, or discussed I should say not in the section uh, the second pillar of the catechism which which talks about liturgy and the sacraments um, it, it talks about Lent a little bit more the, the 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 most and it's not a lot but the but the the most extended discussion of Lent is actually found in the first pillar of the catechism which is on the creed uh, in the in the in the part of the catechism where it talks about Jesus in particular the mysteries of of his of his life, his public life. So, Father, uh, just a pop quiz. Uh, not well. I am putting you on the spot, but I think you'll get it. What 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 part of Jesus's public life do you think the Catechism points to in its discussion of Lent? Ooh, man. Um, I'm gonna have to guess. Well, two parts possibly. Okay. At least two parts. Can you more than two parts? I suppose it could be, but it's not. <laughs> is it less than two parts? It is. It is less than two parts. Well, golly gee, I'm going to have to go then with the passion. Da da da. Sorry, Father. Oh. You lose this episode of Jeopardy. Um, it, interesting, it, it, in the way, that, the way that it moves through it in the catechism, the, the temptation in the desert. Jesus is 40 days in the desert um, after he's baptized and before he begins his public ministry proper. Uh, that's, in its discussion of that, that's where the catechism chooses to, to uh, make mention of the season of Lent. And this is, this is paragraph 540 in the catechism. And I'll just, I'll just read it. This is the summary of the three paragraphs that talk about the, um, the temptations. Jesus's temptation reveals the way in which the son of God is Messiah, contrary to the way Satan proposes to him and the way men wish to attribute to him. This is why Christ vanquished the tempter for us. And then there's a quote here from the letter to the Hebrews. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sinning. And then this final sentence, by the solemn 40 days of Lent, the church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert. So by the solemn 40 days of Lent, the church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert. So um, certainly I think it does apply, Father. You, you were go- you, the, the, uh, the, the, the time that you mentioned the passion, certainly it applies there. Out of curiosity, where else were you thinking the, the, the catechism might make reference of Lent? Yeah, it's, uh, but I think it's beautiful of, to maybe go back to one of my little things, of just the scriptural uh, reality of our Catholic faith. Yep. Again, into that idea of that testing, and because it, it goes even farther back than because his own forty days in the desert uh, symbolizes and calling back to the forty day or the forty years of testing yep. of the people of Israel, um, and also even there. Ooh, ooh there's an idea for you um, uh, of the uh, of the punishment due to sin. Even though God forgave the Israelites of their sin, there's still the punishment of their sins and that long wandering in the wilderness. Yep. And so Christ, in his sufferings, in that way, takes taking on that full weight and punishment of our sins uh, in his life, in his own experiences, and thus they're quoting of that letter to the Hebrews, uh, the high priest who is tested like we are, yet without sin. Right. And and I think, you know, so now somebody might might 
the, the, what you should not take away is that the emphasis on Lent is temptation, but rather the opposite. What, what the, Jesus was tempted by, by Satan at the end of his 40 days of, of prayer and fasting. And so the emphasis for us is on that prayer and fasting so that we are able to follow our Lord's example and more ably um, respond to the temptations that come to us, whether they're from ourselves, our own flesh, whether they're from the devil or whether they're from the world around us, right? Right, which are the three main sources of temptation. Yes, the, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Is that, I don't know if that's the traditional order, but those are the three. Um, right, so and now the other thing I was going to mention, just by way of intro, introductory comments here, there's this, what, what, there's a, uh, uh, a writer uh, named Jimmy Aiken, who is uh, uh, a convert to the faith. He works for Catholic Answers. Uh, he's an apologist. Uh, he's got a, uh, he, he blogs in a couple places online. He has a website and so on. And I, I went looking. Jimmy talks about the, um, the annual uh, Lenten fight. Not the annual Lenten fast, the annual Lenten fight. And the annual Lenten fight, Father, concerns the 40 days, the alleged 40 days of Lent and, and how, uh, you know, some of us, uh, who are maybe persnickety, um, complain because there aren't literally 40 days of Lent. And if this is the first time you've ever heard of this, I hate to, I'm, 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 I, I hope this doesn't break any, or, uh, doesn't, uh, not break somebody's faith, but uh, does, it, does it lead anybody astray here? But there are, in fact, not 40 literal days of Lent. No, it's because uh, uh, the 40 days wouldn't include the Sundays. And then also to remember that Triduum, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the, the, the three holy days before uh, Easter are not part of Lent. Right. So there, there is no way, whether you count the Sundays or not, there is no way to get from Ash Wednesday to Holy Thursday morning and arrive at 40. The closest, and, and maybe historically, the reason, the, the closest we can get, if you start on Ash Wednesday, count 40, and you include the Sundays, because they are the Sundays of Lent, um, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday is day number 40. And so that historically it may have been that, w- that, that Lent began on Ash Wednesday because Lent in, maybe at the time stopped on, on Passion Sunday and then you had Holy Week. Uh, regardless, under current, the way we do things now, where Lent goes up to the beginning of the Triduum on Thursday evening, uh, Holy Thursday evening, um, you will not get to 40. But, but, but the, the idea behind 40 is, and, and the reason we do this practice, uh, have this practice, this liturgical season, remains the same. It's this idea of, of penance, preparation, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, following the example of our Lord in the desert in preparation for the celebration of his passion, death, and resurrection. And furthermore, not to just look at it as a you know, obligation to fulfill, and that's and so I have to do this, but as that opportunity to grow, fo- to grow closer to our Lord, to be stretched in your real spiritual capacities, uh, and to be formed into that image of the new man, Jesus Christ. Right, yeah, so it's, it's yeah, definitely, it, you know, and I'm reminded there, as you say that, Father, of, of something we've talked about from, from Pope Benedict's letter way back a year and a half ago, announcing the year of faith, Porta Fide, where he talks about his, dis- his desires that Christians would dis- rediscover the joy and enthusiasm of the year of faith, and, and how we, um, we would live out our faith 
grow closer to Christ, grow more in our Christ-likeness uh, with joy and enthusiasm and not in a gloomy, woe-is-me sort of fashion. Exactly. You know, I, I think of uh, you know, what, what Jesus said, you know, um, people shouldn't, obviously this is a very rough paraphrase, <laughs> but people shouldn't be able to look at you and know that you are fasting because of your expression and how you carry yourself trying to draw attention to your spiritual practices. That doesn't, you know, sometimes, Father, I, coming up to, again, coming up to Ash Wednesday, I hear sometimes Catholics or, and other Christians, but especially Catholics who, who wonder about ashes on the forehead. Uh, and they, but, but didn't Jesus say that we aren't to draw attention to that? Uh, do you have a, a, a do you have a, a, a common or a ready-made response if, if you've forgotten that question um, when somebody asks you to make sense of how we have this 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 visible symbol on our forehead in light of what Jesus says? Do you have a response for that one? You, you know, I, I don't have a ready-made one. I suppose uh, one option could be. Uh, to adopt the European practice of the imposition of ashes, in which the ashes are sprinkled on the crown of your head. And so uh, unless you are um, uh, uh, follically challenged, uh, unless, you go, unless you have a receding hairline, you know, people aren't going to notice, uh, and not, at least not easily, the fact that you've had ashes imposed on you. Um, I think uh, the other um, aspect would be um, that, uh, you know, are we doing these things to be noticed, or are we doing them as a sign of our sincere repentance? Exactly. And so, uh, and uh, because, because our repentance needs to be sincere, needs to be actual, and it should be a challenge for us, are we just going to Ash Wednesday because that's what we're supposed to do, because it's cool to get ashes, because it's a Mass where they don't take a collection? Um, <laughs> why am I going to Ash Wednesday Mass? That's a great idea, by the way, Father. Oh, never mind. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think that's your. Why are we doing it? That Jesus is 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 as so many cases. It's about what's in the heart. It's what's your intention. Why am I doing this? If you do go to Ash Wednesday to to get the ashes on your forehead to prove to people around you what an awesome you know holy person you are, then maybe you might reconsider your intentions. But the sheer fact of having the ashes on the forehead need not uh, fall under the, the, need not be a sign that you are in fact self-righteous and hypocritical, right? No. Okay. No, I, I, I don't think the two have to go hand in hand. Yeah. When, I would hope um, not. Because our Lord certainly did exterior signs of his own prayer or other activities or things like that. Um and encouraged others to do so as well. And, of course, he says, he doesn't say if you fast, he says when you fast. Exactly. Exactly. He, and, and, again, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, three things we should always do, but, but the Church calls atten- particular attention to them during the time of Lent because that's what Jesus said in, the, uh, in Matthew's Gospel. It's, it's in the Sermon on the Mount where he speaks about those three practices as good and holy things to do. Very much so. That, that's, that's, by the way, uh, for long-time listeners, that, that is me, Chris, referencing Scripture, contrary to Father Dickinson's oft-repeated assertion that I'm just a systematic theologian. Nothing? nothing? You got nothing there, Padre? Uh, you know, no, I'll, I'll let that one slide. Okay, fair enough. So, <laughs> so uh, Father, turning now to the Holy Father's message um, for, uh, for Lent, um, you can find this online, dear listener, um, 
Pope Benedict Lent Message 2013. If you do a search engine, search for that. You'll find it pretty easily. Um, and, and we're not going to, you can read through it on your own. Father and I are just going to point to a couple things as you move it from, through it from beginning to end that, that we think are worth commenting on. Father, I was struck by right, well, by the whole letter. Certainly, he, he contextualizes it with the year of faith. And it's stated state at the very beginning. It opens, dear brothers and sisters, the celebration of Lent in the context of the year of faith offers, offers us a valuable opportunity to meditate on the relationship between faith and charity. So the whole letter is, is, is just that, a meditation on the relationship between these two virtues of faith and charity, which we, we just heard about them together with, with hope in, was it last Sunday's gospel or uh, reading from Corinthians, Father? So, so we we just heard about both of these in particular about about charity or love, uh, and, and and being we're in the year of faith, Pope Benedict chooses to reflect on the relationship between the two of them, um, and there are just four articles, and it's 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 about four pages, like three and a half pages printed out, um, four articles. That, just to give you, if if you're just listening to this and don't have a copy of it in front of you at, at the moment. Four articles. The first is faith as a response to the love of God. Second, charity as life in faith. Third, the indissoluble interrelation of faith and charity. And then fourth, the priority of faith, the primacy of charity. Father, um, I know there are a couple things that struck you. You you want to speak to at least one of the things as you read through this that that you think is worth commenting on? Well, certainly. uh, I think... Ben, this one is uh, actually one we didn't prepare on, you and I, but uh, just as we're sitting here talking about it and thinking about Lent in this letter, it is a little odd in that um, it's not a recommendation of specific actions of uh, fasting, uh, uh, penance, or almsgiving. Right. Uh, Fasting, prayer, or almsgiving. It's not a specific reference to any one of those things. Um, Which I think sounds odd, but I think it's a good stretch, uh, listeners, uh, to think about, you know, how often do you get stuck for Lent doing the same old thing? Mm. You know, I'm going to give up pop, I'm going to give up desserts, I'm going to give up TV, I'm going to give up giving up things for Lent. <laughs> I like that one. Ooh, that's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> but, um, and of course, you know, there's the things that the Church, uh, you know, the mandatory days of fast, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, and the mandatory Friday abstinences from meat. Um but, you know, yeah, what, what, what am I doing? Am I just doing the same old, same old in that regard? Or am I actually looking to be stretched uh, and grown into something new? Right. And it's not that he's not, it, it's not that we can't do those things, but sort of this is, sounds very much like the conversation we were just having about the idea, whole idea of external signs and so on, what Jesus says. Why are we doing? What's the motivation? What's our intention? The, the Holy Father said this is near the, the end of, of Article, at the, it is the end of Article 3. Lent invites us through the traditional practices of the Christian life to nourish our faith by careful and extended listening to the Word of God and by receiving the sacraments, and at the same time to grow in charity and in love for God and neighbor, not least through the specific practices of fasting, penance, and almsgiving. So he makes mention of them, but but as you read through the message, that's the only mention, for instance, of those three particular practices. Uh, so so to me, it is very much what you're just saying, Father, um, stepping back and and reevaluating. Okay, why am I doing this at all? Is that is that what you're saying? Well, I, not so much the why as in the what. Sure. In a sense, and I think this is, becomes the main thrust then of this letter is, again, what is the greatest thing you can do during Lent? Sure. 
you know, uh, and, and what is the greatest act of love or the greatest work of love you can do? And uh, he's really, in, again, this connection with the year of faith, he's trying to reshape our almsgiving in this sense. Yeah. He's trying to reshape our almsgiving away from uh, a good, um, but maybe an incomplete uh, uh, vision of things. You know, and so we have our rice bowl, and I've got, uh, I'm in my uh, office where I'm at right now, I'm staring at like a 2010 rice bowl that I keep forgetting to turn in. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just sitting on my coffee table, you know, and every once in a while I stick some money in there still. Um, but, uh, um, Right, so, so, so to go to, I think, a little more than that, and to, and to think about this with the eyes of faith. You know, and I'm not sure we always think about this almsgiving with eyes of faith. You know, and, and what do eyes of faith see? Eyes of faith see not just the physical suffering, the physical difficulties, um, you know, uh, but, to, uh, but to go to those greater difficulties, the spiritual difficulties that uh, afflict and burden uh, our neighbors. Mm. So, yeah, he, he speaks in the letter about n- not allowing our, our works of love, our good actions, so almsgiving, to become merely humanitarian act- activity, humanitarian activism in a sense. Very much so, and I, and I think that's a real danger for our own day and age. And, um, and kind of, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's, it's one of the great gifts of the Church to the world is that humanitarian effort. Uh, there are very few uh, humanitarians uh, in this world, until the advent uh, and the uh, or the advent, <laughs> uh, pun intended. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and of His uh, uh, life-giving Holy Spirit, uh, revealing the full meaning of the Father. So, yeah, um, I think that uh, that is a great point. I'm, I'm looking in the uh, third section. Uh, in the uh, first main, or pardon me, the second main paragraph of the first section, where he says, you know, sometimes we tend, in fact, to reduce the term charity to solidarity or simply humanitarian aid. You know, so, um, well, it's very good, dear listener, that maybe you want to send a little money out to Hurricane Sandy victims. Um, it's, it's, it's a good and noble thing to do. But there is a more noble thing that we can do uh, with our Lenten disciplines or actions. And that is? Evangelization. What? Yeah, well, that's what this... I don't know if you know this, but uh, this is Ignition, a podcast for the new evangelization. What? <laughs> so go ahead and, read, Father, read the next sentence then. I know that, because this, this really struck you. Yeah. So it is important, however, to remember that the greatest work of charity is evangelization which is the ministry of the Word. There is no action more beneficial, and therefore more charitable, towards one's neighbor than to break the bread of the Word of God, to share with him the good news of the Gospel, to introduce him to a relationship with God. Evangelization is the highest and most integral promotion of the human person. So there's no, no greater thing you can do to advance the cause of humanity, if you want to use maybe a totally more secular or more neutral phrasing of it, than to read in the gospel, uh, to share and to give testimony to what Jesus Christ has done in your own life, um, and to invite them into prayer to that relationship with God. Right. That's pretty, uh, pretty radical. It is. You know, he, he, goes, he, he makes reference to, to um, 
venerable Pope Paul VI uh, and, and says in his own words um, that the proclamation of Christ is the first and principal contributor to development. So to human good, to, 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 to human development, the well-being of human society and civilization, that the proclamation of Christ is the first and principal contributor to the common good. Uh, right. And I, I think back to his uh, Pope Benedict's book, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, The Infancy Narratives, and uh, uh, which uh, our own Bishop Paul Swain quotes in his February Bishop's Bulletin uh, column. But he has a line in there, uh, not, what, uh, Pope ben, po, or not what Bishop Swain quotes, but Pope Benedict has a line where he says, you know, that it is in reconciliation with God that we have true reconciliation with our neighbor. Or that our lack of reconciliation with God is that sign or that source of our lack of reconciliation with our neighbor. Exactly. We, yeah, I think sometimes we, we reverse that, or, ne- or for, probably more often neglect the first. We, and, and the point is that we cannot be reconciled. We cannot be at peace then um, uh, as men and women, as human beings, uh, together if we do not have peace with our God. Very much so. So I think, you know, maybe a practical suggestion for you, dear listeners, uh, for this Lent in the area of evangelization would be, you know, have you prepared a testimony? You know, can you, if I was to ask you, dear listeners, uh, right now to give me a two to three minute little sharing of God in your life, would you be able to do it? Right. Or less, you know, think of in sales sometimes you're at the elevator pitch. What would you say uh, if, if, if you were in the elevator with somebody and, and you wanted to pitch your product to them, quote unquote? Um, you know, just it, can, can we, and Father, frankly, I think we as Catholics have a hard time doing that, it, even in two or three minutes, articulating um, just the, the, the importance of who Jesus Christ is for us. Right. We, we, we do have a difficulty, but again, because I don't think we've practiced. Yeah. And so this Lent practice. Yeah, we're in the year of faith, and this is about faith and love. And if, if the greatest act of love is to share Christ with another, maybe maybe somehow in this, this next week before Lent, we could think about somehow incorporating this as a practice for our Lenten journey this year. And, of course, there's difficulties and challenges with that. Uh, but that's part of the gift of Lent, is you do that difficult thing. I mean, it's a difficult thing to give up the pop or uh, the desserts or even the TV, uh, but it's, as you've hopefully learned from doing those other disciplines, uh, there's a reward in it. Yeah, and I think, Father, it it really ties into with the other things, that the traditional practice of prayer and fasting. Certainly, our Lord knows how we are going to be most able to share and effectively share the gospel in that short uh, time period. And so for us to... to, seek his advice in prayer and and sometimes fasting in addition to the prescribed fast making doing our own form of fasting can really help us in that way very much so and i and and you can you'll even see then listeners how those other disciplines prepare you for this uh, greatest discipline as pope benedict calls it as this uh, this chief uh, act of charity um, greatest work of charity evangelization Exactly. We we we, um, we we can incorporate all of these together in order to to seek how we are called to to share others um, uh, more effectively. How we're able to love others in this this full the, the full way that the Holy Father is speaking about about here. Amen. Amen. Well, good. Um, 
I think, Father, that'll do it for this episode of Ignition. Uh, again, dear listener, if you have any questions for us, please always feel free to email me, uh, the email address I gave you earlier, but once again, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And from Dr. Bergwald and myself, thank you for listening, and may God bless you and Mary watch over you and those you love.